0: The podcast Everyone keeps trying to you got of,
1: I like the podcast. I like a bit of music. Hey Howard Haynes, this is Mark here and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As always you are more than welcome. I have something a little different uh, for you today. Usually it could be me doing a solo podcast giving my opinion on stuff or stuff that I think might help us in our daily lives. Um, a lot of times I speak to guests. This one is about a kidnapping, um, the kidnapping of Colin Stan. So I wanna talk about the kidnapping itself. I wanna talk about the imprisonment. She was in prison for seven years. I wanna talk about the aftermath and I wanna talk about the consequences. Um, obviously it was impossible to get Colin on as a guest, what i do have there was been there's been a movie made about it i have the trailer of the movie to give some context i do have some extracts of calling talking um, about the area where it happened and also a cnn a former cnn reporter and a former cop um, I have insights to a conversation between calling who was the kidnappy and jan who was the kidnapper's wife It's extremely interesting and loads of other stuff. So it's a very, very different podcast. If you enjoy these type of podcasts, let me know. ClockworkJunkiePodcast at gmail.com and I might do some more. But I found this story extremely interesting. I had a look into it myself. I did a bit of research and I thought it might be fantastic to um, draw from loads of different avenues of data and intel that i could pick up and maybe get some voice notes and some people who were involved in it themselves so i'm going to go through all of that today Um, give us a follow whatever audio platform you're listening in on and thank you for your support and your sharing and everything else if you would like to continue to support the podcast you can do so at paypal it's a one-time donation and it's paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie that link is in the description the link in the description if you want to follow me on socials is there as well i'm on facebook instagram and linkedin Um, you can go and check it out there i think with this podcast i'll have some pictures up and um, i'll talk about that later i actually don't know if i'm allowed to put them up i'm going to put them up you can go and have a look at them and see what you think maybe give me a follow and uh, i'm going to get to that all now i'll just play a little note from our sponsors Remember the sponsors is Light. It's 100% free. It's a 30 day free trial. This is podcast 218. My quote unquote contract with them ends on podcast 227, unless they renew it. I don't know if they will do so. So if you're gonna do it, now's the time to do it. A quick word on our sponsors. Light is a quantum healing company using scalar energy devices that work remotely giving distant healing anywhere in the world in conjunction with the clockwork junkie podcast you can get a 30 day free trial no credit cards no debit cards it is 100 percent free to sign up all you have to do is click the link in the description below add your name your email and upload a selfie scalar Light, a new era of quantum healing So the kidnapping of calling Stan. So I'll just read a little bit here from the start and give you a kind of an insight. So Colin J. Stan, they call her calling because it's in the States, but in Ireland we call her Colleen. Um, calling J. Stan, she was born on the 31st of December, 1956. She's an American woman who was kidnapped and held as a sex slave by Cameron and Janice Hooker. I'll be referring to Janice as Jan from here on in because that's what everyone else refers to her at. Um, in the Red Bluff, California home for over seven years, between 1977 and 1984. At Cameron Hooker's trial, Collins' experience was described as unparalleled in FBI history. Now, the case itself has received international acclaim and publicity and it has been subject to multiple books and films and TV series. One of the movies is a movie on lifetime and i have the trailer of that to give some context i just didn't want to go too much into that because i don't know how accurate that is or how they might deviate from the actual story so i'll talk really quick first about i mean this is horrific by the way so if you're queasy or if you're triggered easily don't listen to this that's a pre-warning to this podcast and um, it's not nice but it's true it's not a made-up story it To me, it sounds like something if Stephen King and Quentin Tarantino got together for a movie. um, This is what the movie would be. So that's a pre-warning. So on the kidnapping itself. So on the 19th of May, 1977, which was actually nine days before I was born. Colleen Stan was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon to a friend's home in Northern California. Where she was heading to a birthday party. Look, we've all done that. Cameron Hooker he was born on the 5th of November 1953 he kidnapped the 20 year old Colleen after after picking her up now Colleen stated that she was an experienced hitchhiker as in she had done it many times before but she had also allowed two rides to pass her by before accepting the ride of Cameron now you might ask why would you do that there's actually a very good uh, reason here she reportedly and this is from her she felt confident climbing into the blue fan and the reason being was because cameron's wife jan and her baby were in the car as well look i can understand that if you're a 20 year old girl you're hitchhiking which i wouldn't recommend anyways you let two cars go by because they may or may not look dodgy you're being i suppose uber careful and then someone arrives with his wife and his child and you think Look, if I'm going to hitch a ride, let it be with this person. I completely understand that. Although, again, I wouldn't recommend it. It says, When they stopped at a gas station along the way, Colleen went to the restroom. And this is a, a quote from her as well. She said, For some reason, a voice told me to run and jump out the window and to never look back. But she calmed her fears and she went back to the car. So this is now according to Colleen and Jan's testimonies, which I'll get to later in the podcast. Cameron pulled off the highway and put a knife to Collin's throat once they were alone in an isolated area. She was subsequently locked in a wooden head box that was designed to prevent light, sound, and fresh air from entering. So, I had to look into what this wooden headbox means because there's conflicting stories but the actual story is as follows the wooden headbox is like what it sounds picture a cardboard box but it's made of wood and there's a hole in the front so you could see but it doesn't let you get um you know prevents light and it prevents sounds a will agree and fresh air from entering now they also had a big large box underneath their bed they had a water bed in the room cameron and jan um, and they used to locker in that as well but i'll get into that more as we go along but again look this is your final Warning now to uh, turn off the podcast and maybe tune in to the next one if you're easily triggered. Because it's not a nice story and I I consider myself kind of tough with a a black heart as to say. But um, I even found this a bit harrowing. So the imprisonment. So I said before all of this happened, Cameron, then a lumber mill worker at Diamond International Lumber Mill and Jan had reached an agreement. That he could capture a slave. To take Jan's place. Because up until that point. Cameron had used Jan. To act out his sexual bondage. So basically he had met her. She had been. Inflicted all of this. Sexual desires. She didn't want it to happen to her anymore. But she obviously was in love with him. Look for for whatever reason. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you the story. And they came together, and she decided that you could get somebody else to do your sexual deviant work, and that means it wouldn't happen to Jan, and she agreed to it. But there was some prerequisites. There was to be no penetrative sex with Colleen, according to the agreement. So you could torture, you could do what you want, but you couldn't stick your penis in a vagina. No penetrative sex. That was the that was according to the agreement. But this later changed. So on the first night, of and this is what I'm going to say now goes back to with Quentin Tarantino and Stephen King came up with a movie. Uh, on the first night of her kidnapping, Colleen was strung up by her hands, physically attacked by Cameron and left blindfolded and suspended while the pair had sex below her. That's some kind of a visual to see. You're kidnapped, you're 20, you're strung up, you're beaten. And then the people who kidnap you, Cameron and Jan, in this case, are fucking each other underground underneath you. So after her kidnapping, Colleen stated that she was tortured and kept locked in a box for 23 hours a day until she was given a contract and forced to sign herself into slavery for life in January 1978. So that's what's that, seven months after all this happened. But in view of the box propped up against her purse under the bed, was a photo of Marie Elizabeth who was a previous victim and her body was never found. Colleen further stated that Cameron led her to believe, no this is insane, Colleen further stated that Cameron led her to believe that she was being watched by a large powerful organisation called The Company which would painfully torture her and harm her family if she tried to escape. So basically look, this girl is 20 years, and she is only a young girl, she's 20 years old. She was going to a party from Eugene to Northern California. She hitchhiked as she had done many times, she even turned down two two lifts. Then she seen a guy come in with his wife and her child, and she got a ride with them. They kidnapped her, and now she's in a contract that she is a slave. And the reason she's afraid to get out of it, or go for help, or do anything, is because he has her convinced brainwashed if you want to use that word that he's part of a larger organization called a company that runs kind of has a spider's web all over the place and if she was to try to escape or try to get help from the police that not only would she be hurt her family would be hurt as well now she goes on to say um colling subsequently became a slave referred to as k and she was forced to call cameron master And she was not allowed to talk without permission. Now Cameron reportedly wanted Colleen to be like a female character in the 1954 French erotic novel Story of O. And he soon started raping her. Which consisted of oral rape. So I suppose at this stage he was trying to keep Jan on side and not having penetrative sex. It's oral rape. He's sound isn't he? Jesus Christ. Um But Cameron did not want to have vaginal sex with Colling because he considered that would be a breach in his agreement with his wife. Isn't he an absolute gentleman? Instead, he raped her vaginally and anally with implements. Now, I do have some more information on this, but I'm not going to read it out here. I hope that's okay. If you want to check it out yourself, you can. But this has me thinking then. He would rape her vaginally and anally with implements. So I'll assume this was happening to Jan all this time. You know, sometimes when I hear stories like this, I think, well, she must be as bad as him. But then I think, look, what position was she in? But look, I'm not here to make judgment. I'm here to tell you the story. Um, As I said, instead, he raped her vaginally and anally with implements. So following this, the Hooker family, so it's Cameron and Jan Hooker, moved to a mobile home in red bluff with colleen where she was kept locked in wooden boxes under the couple's waterbed in 1978 jan gave birth to her second child on the waterbed above colleen i mean it's just so hard to understand why someone would do that what's going on in someone's nothing probably going on like how bad can you be I actually have and I'm gonna play it in a minute, I have people talking about what Stan was like or what um what Cameron was like, what the area was like. But before I do that, I'll just read out this. So his colling said that her faith in God and belief in a chance to escape helped her to survive. But her greatest fear, which Cameron reinforced reinforced daily, was that the company would come and get you and get your family. So to avoid painful punishments, Calling tried to comply with his commandments, which later led to her being allowed to go out for a jog, to work in the yard, to care for the family's children in the mobile home, and listen to this, and help him build bigger accommodations like an underground dungeon for more slaves. Even with an open door, neighbours, and a telephone, she made no attempt to escape. As according to Colling, her fear of the company kept her from seeking help. So here we have a 20 year old girl, as I said earlier on, was kidnapped. Now she's in a box under a bed of a couple. The wife told the husband that you can do this to her because that means you won't be doing it with me, but you can't have penetrative sex. Instead, he's raping her orally. He's punishing her. He's raping her vaginally and anally with implements. And the girl herself, Colleen, thinks that there's a bigger, l- bigger web of um, this, the company that will hurt her and indeed her family if she tries to escape or do anything. Now, what I'm going to play for you now is I'm going to play a little clip. And the clip is of um, an insider report where they speak to a former CNN reporter who was talking about the case at the time, a former cop. And the third person you hear speaking will be calling herself. Um, I have more from her, but I just wanted to play this first.
0: At the time, Red Bluff was just another rural town. It was basically a farm community and had a little bit of a lumber mill, and that was really about it. Great people, a really nice, cohesive community that was, if you will, as astonished and disturbed as we were by this case. A lot of the conversations that came to us from the community were people saying, this is not us, this is not who we are. The people of Red Bluff were outraged, they were dismayed, they were distressed by hearing what Cameron Hooker was alleged to have done. Most people would describe Cameron as a, you know, kind of like a geek. He just wasn't the type of person that stood out at all. He was always in the background, didn't have a lot of friends, uh, kept to himself type of thing. People at the mill where he worked, you know, they knew he was a little bit different and that type of thing, but they still didn't believe that he would be responsible for this.
2: Everybody thought, oh, he's such a nice guy, kind of happy-go-lucky guy, and, you know, he's so sweet. When nobody's looking, then they're just this totally different person. People didn't want to believe it because he was just a hard-working guy, went to work every day, you know, clocked in, clocked out, whatever. Who would ever even think that, that when he got home, behind closed doors and, you know, once his kids went to sleep or whatever, Oh, he gets his slave out and tortures her and rapes her and does whatever he does to her.
0: To the public, the bewilderment, the amazement was understandable. Who had heard of sex slaves outside of pornography? Who had heard of these kinds of imprisonments and for so long? That this woman had been imprisoned seven years in this man's house was, if you will, beyond belief. We did not hear these kinds of cases at that time. All of this was so new, so disturbing, that it really was, it was hard to believe.
1: You kind of get a feel there what the the place was like. It's like, I suppose it's like happening in my hometown or your hometown. It doesn't reflect on every person. It's just like the individuals who are doing it. So the story goes on. It actually gets crazier as it goes on. So... Additionally, right, Colling was allowed to visit her family by herself in 1981. But she did not reveal her situation due to her fear of the possible consequences from the company. Her family, you might think, they're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And the war, this is what her family uh, thought. Her family thought she was involved in a cult because of her homemade clothes, her lack of money and absence of communication over the years. But they did not want to pressure her, fearing she would stay away forever. Now, I know about this time there was loads of cults in that area, particularly in California. And once you entered it, sometimes you might see your family. If your family were saying, well, this is a cult, you shouldn't be involved, then you were never allowed to go back. So uh, it seems a bit crazy to us now, but I have seen documentaries on that before. Get this now, this is absolutely insane. The next day after Colleen visited her family, Colleen returned for a second visit. With Cameron posing as her boyfriend. Now at the trial that I'll talk about coming soon. Colleen explained that she was happy about visiting her family. They were happy about seeing her. And they actually took photographs of her and Cameron happily smiling together. According to Colleen. Cameron feared that he had given her, his slave, too much freedom. Because she would seen her family a few times. He was with her. And he took her back to the mobile home, where he locked her in a wooden box under the waterbed. Listen to this. She remained in the box for 23 hours a day for the next three years. Bodily functions were dealt with by using a bedpan, which she positioned under herself with her feet. It was stated in court that Cameron's children were told that Colling had gone home. However, once the children had gone to bed... Cameron would take Colleen out of the box to feed and torture her. She was reportedly not allowed to make any noise and had to lie still for 23 hours at a time in the dark with little or no air. Now, during the summers in California, conditions were especially harsh on her as the temperatures in the box would rise to over 100 Fahrenheit, which is 38 degrees Celsius Now, to feed herself she ate scraps of food now this is just absolutely as far as i'm concerned it's just unbelievable so let me play this clip here from the movie this is a movie that's out it's on i think it's on lifetime um this will just kind of tie this all in together and give you a listen so i'll play that for you now where are you
2: headed westwood Up in thanks what brings you to westwood it's my friend's birthday it's a surprise
1: you gotta love surprises <laughs> you
3: gotta do what i say now on there is no more colleen stan you will answer to Kay. you will address me as master and my wife as ma'am
0: what is it
3: it's a contract it formalizes your status as my slave
0: you're only here to take the pain
2: <laughs> what would you do if someone did this to your daughter i'd kill them then how do you think my dad feels
3: get in the box
1: aftermath and consequences so the escape and the trial so it was not until 1983 that Colling was reintroduced to the children and the neighbours she was also allowed to take a job as a maid in a motel but Cameron wanted Colling to become his second wife but this was a complete turning point for Jan so obviously Jan was married she was going through all the same tortures and decided that look Cameron you can get a slave don't have vaginal sex but you can do your deviant work on her which means it won't happen to me so after a period of time in 1983 Cameron decided he wanted to marry Colleen and Jan just wouldn't have this at all whatsoever so Cameron wanted Colleen to become his second wife which turned which was a complete turning point for Jan but Jan confessed that Starting from their first date, that she had also been tortured, she'd been brainwashed, and referred to as a whore over years by Cameron. Jan further stated that she survived the relationship by engaging in denial. But By August 1984, Jan began struggling with herself, and she went to Colleen in order to inform her that Cameron was not part of the company. But however, she maintained that the organisation did exist. So there was a point where Jan kind of softened ever so slightly towards a situation where now that the pain wasn't being done to her and it had been done for years to Colleen, she began softening to her. Um, Colleen talks about this and I'm going to play that clip for you now.
2: Jan's heart started to soften a little bit towards me Um, the last year I was there when she started getting me out of the box, why Cameron was at work and the girls were at school and we would study the Bible together. When we would do the Bible studies together, we didn't really have conversations about other things because the rules still applied like I was still the slave and it was not my place to just strike up a conversation with her the thing that just seemed really strange and off to me was Cameron had told us that you know in reverence to God we had to cover our heads here I was sitting on the floor at the bottom of their bed, uh, in front of the box, naked. And, you know, she gives me this prayer beanie to put on and she had hers on. Of course, she was dressed, she was clothed. And I thought, okay, so this is weird. Like, how is this being, you know, showing respect for God? But to be obedient to him, And uh, to what I was told I had to do, I did it. I just think it's crazy when people, you know, assume that we had all these conversations and that I knew all these things about these people. I really didn't. I mean, they were pretty much up until the end strangers to me because I didn't know a whole lot about them because I wasn't allowed to ask them questions or speak to these people like you would in a normal person.
1: So I suppose if you can call that softening, it's softening. But I think once she felt that Colleen was going to take her place, all bets were off. So this is very interesting here. In a television interview for Girl in the Box, which is the name of the movie that was made from it, Colleen told the interviewer that she then went to a bus station and phoned Cameron to inform him that she was leaving him and that he reacted by bursting into tears. Colling subsequently caught a bus home. In the months that followed, she did not contact the police, but she continued to call Cameron regularly. She explained this at the trial by saying that she wanted to give Cameron, at Jan's request, a chance to reform. But three months later, Jan reported her husband to the police. She informed Lieutenant Jerry D. Brown of the Red Buff Police that Cameron had kidnapped, tortured and murdered Marie Elizabeth, the girl we spoke about initially. And that girl had disappeared on January 31st, 1976. Authorities weren't able to locate the remains of the woman due to the lack of physical proof. No murder charge was brought. Now, Chris Hatcher, a forensic psychologist and criminal profiler, Testified for Cameron's prosecution. At the start of a trial in 1985. And Jan testified against her husband. In exchange for full immunity. So it's this one fucking playing off every side you know. First of all she was a victim. She wants to try to get out of it. She allows her husband to get a sex slave. So it doesn't happen to her. She seems to be okay to have another child. Then all of a sudden Cameron wants to marry his sex slave. Colleen. And all of a sudden Jan has a problem with it. Then she rats him out or hands him in because her conscience is killing her. And now she wants immunity. So it'd be interesting to hear what what, what you think of that, you know. As I said, Jan testified against her husband in exchange for full immunity. In the end, Cameron was sentenced to a consecutive prison term of 104 years for sexual assault, kidnapping and using a knife in the process. He was originally ineligible for parole until this year, 2023. He had his hearing date moved up seven years to 2015 by California's elderly parole program. On April 16, 2015, he requested his request for parole was denied, and Cameron will be eligible again for a hearing in 2030. However, due to COVID-19, to the COVID-19 pandemic, California officials contacted Colleen and advised her that they were looking into possibly granting Cameron parole in March 2021. But instead of a parole hearing authorities scheduled a hearing in september 2021 to decide if cameron should be classified as a sexually violent predator which resulted in a civil commitment to a state hospital so look it's like like what I, what i don't know and what research i couldn't find was what happened to this cameron hooker guy when he was younger why did he become the guy that he was was he leading a normal life and all of a sudden it just clicked that these sexual things turned him on and was it you know he, he found a girl and brainwashed her which was always his wife Jan she loved him I think of probably Stockholm syndrome where you know I'm sure everyone knows Stockholm syndrome if, if somebody comes in and kidnaps you and then they're talking about their story sometimes the kidnapper feels sorry for them and perhaps empathize with them and often helps them to escape maybe there was some of that on Jan's behalf but she just got sick probably and of being violated um, physically, verbally, and you know, sexually, and then they came to an agreement to get a slave. That slave was a hitchhiker, um Colleen, 20 years old, and she was there for seven years. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Now I have looked um at post-trial because I thought you might be interested in that. Um and I have a small bit here. So after the trial, Colleen studied for an accountant degree and As reported by Mara Bodson in March 9, 2014, New York Daily News article, she tried to move on to a normal life, but misery followed her. She had a string of failed marriages and a troubled child who is now in jail. Colin also joined and volunteered for Reading Women's Refuge Centre, an organisation to help abuse women, but Jan, so... I couldn't believe this look I'd love to know what you think Jan reverted to her maiden name which was Lashley she became a registered associate social worker and has worked as a mental health professional like this one as far as I'm concerned was an accomplice because she agreed she knew that Colin was in the house under the bed all of these times yes she might have empathized yes she might have had sympathy I think she should be in jail, but she got immunity because she helped get her husband 104 years consecutive in prison. And now she's working as a social worker in mental health. It's, is, is there something that probably wouldn't happen in these days? But that doesn't seem right to me. It, it does seem right to me that um, Cameron will never get out of prison and he'll be there forever. Um, but it doesn't seem right to me that she got away scoff-free. Because remember that the first night that Colleen was uh, kidnapped, that she was, you know strung up up over them while they had sex underground. but then you might say well maybe Jan was afraid you know you just don't know both Jan and Colleen continue to live in California but they do not communicate with each other I just think that's a fascinating story all ways around like it wouldn't be a story I'd like to make up I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but this happens is public information and it's out there it shows a lot about um, the psychology of people it really does look if you like these kind of podcasts let me know i can do more of them i'm going to leave you with a clip uh, from that i want to play as well um you can make a one-time donation paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie the links in the description thank you so much for everyone who's done that and um, i'll be giving out very soon the winners of the t-shirt i have a t-shirt giveaway just uh follow on spotify or apple podcast and send me an email and say look my name is such and so i live in this country or whatever and this is what i like about the show and at the end of the month, maybe I'll pick out one or two winners, or maybe three, I think I have seven or eight t-shirts. And I'll just post them out to you. That's worldwide. And make sure you get yourself involved in the Scalar Like It's free for 30 days. And as far as I know, it only lasts till podcast 227. So I'll leave you with this clip. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'll see you soon. My name is Mark McCormack. And this is the Clockwork Junkie Podcast.
3: For me,
2: this house is... <laughs>
3: Kind of a house of horror, she's the kidnapped victim once known as the girl in the box, imprisoned for seven years in a wooden crate. I did think I was gonna die <laughs> I was terribly claustrophobic, I was having such a hard time breathing. Colleen Stan was 20 years old when she was picked up while hitchhiking in California by a man and his wife. A scene depicted in a new movie called Girl in the Box airing Saturday on Lifetime. So, what's your name? Colleen? Colleen. Nice. Hi, Colleen. Colleen says she was driven to this house. Sometimes she had this appalling device locked over her head. Other times she was held for 23 hours a day in the coffin. I just cried. I just cried out to God. For his help and just said,
2: please. I just felt so broken and so
3: violated. Colleen's abductor was a lumber mill worker, Cameron Hooker.
2: Cameron was torturing me one time. He had me hanging up, suspended in the basement. And he came up next to me and he said, go ahead and scream, I'll cut your vocal cords, I've done it before.
3: After seven years' captivity, Colleen escaped from the clutches of her abductor. He was found guilty of kidnapping and rape and sentenced to 100 years. His wife was never prosecuted because she helped Colleen escape and also agreed to testify against her husband. Colleen says she has now rebuilt her life. And Now
2: that so many years have passed, it's kind of like it was a whole other lifetime, you know? And this is my new life. Thank you.